0: So if you think about like the George Floyd trial, there were 14 jurors and it was a combination of black and multiracial and white and a mixture of male and female. And both attorneys had to agree on the jury before the trial began. And all of the evidence was presented and the jury came up with a verdict. And that seems like the way it's supposed to be. That's the way our systems work, right? So then if you don't see color, I really didn't have to mention the makeup of the jury. I didn't have to tell you that there was a combination of black and white. and then What if I told you that regardless of what I just told you about the makeup of the jury selected, that some people are still going to say that the only reason that the white police officer was found guilty is because the jury was afraid of the politics involved. I think that's why we can't say that we don't see color because it's part of the decision making process.
1: Hey, how are you? This is Scott Bryant Comstock, host of the Optimistic Advocate podcast, and this is episode 20. I am really excited to have as my guest today, Julie Radlauer-Dorfler and Ryan Coote. Julie is a partner in the Roenick Radlauer Group and also heads up Collectively, which is a Radlauer venture that has an important mission of creating global impact through the engagement of diverse stakeholders to collectively solve complex challenges. Julie Radlauer Dorf is a force of nature. She has a long and illustrious history of being a change maker in behavioral health. So very, very excited to have her on the podcast, as I am her colleague Ryan Coop, who has spent an entire career in social services, whether it's helping children who've been abused, abandoned, neglected. And his current passion is working with homelessness and helping people exit homelessness effectively become stable housed and productive members of society again. This episode represents a third conversation in our three-part mini-series on conversations about race. And today, the topic is I Don't See Color. So heck, what do you say we get started? When Julie and Ryan shared this with me, I thought, oh my gosh, does that ring every bell in the book? So guys, why don't, why don't we just start there? And I guess the first question is, why this question? What, what, what makes this an important question for you to address with each other?
0: For me, this is a pretty important topic because I was raised not to see color. I mean, I, I really was. And, and not that I was raised not to see color. I was raised not to talk about color, Um, And so I grew up in a mixed neighborhood and as a white child, I was bused into all black middle school and uh, I don't ever remember having conversations about race with my family or with my friends. But I do remember in school, Martin Luther King quote about, don't judge somebody by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And somehow I adopted that philosophy, I guess, because the experiences that I had in school, I was not impacted by the color of my skin. I was not judged by my teachers or my friends or my family or even my community that I remember. So I think like superficially when people talk about, I don't see color on some level, I feel like it's a little bit of like a semantics issue more so than people are just taught not to treat people differently because of their color. That's really the, like the interpretation of it, but actually it's not really possible. You can't not treat somebody differently because of their color. If I see a woman, I'm gonna speak with her differently than if I see a man. It's just kind of the reality of the situation. I think it's that the intention is not to treat somebody differently, is really what the intention is. And it's pretty cool. I was watching, you know, preparing for this, I was watching a, a video with Jane Elliott mm-hmm. and, and Oprah. Yeah. Um, and she and Jane Elliott, she's adorable. She's just this older white woman. And um, in this interview, she asked a tall black young man to stand next to her. And she said, do you see anything different between us? You know, to the audience and, and everybody was a little uncomfortable and they said, well, yeah, you yeah, know, he's taller than you. Yeah. She said, yes, yes. He's much taller than me. And, and then she said, oh, he's younger than you. Yes. Yes. He's younger than me. Um, he's, he's a male and you're a female. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know? And then they were like, oh, you're wearing glasses. And she was like, oh my gosh, it's guys, like, come on. And so she like made them have this conversation about race but then what she said and this was the cool part is she turned to the young man and she said is your height important to you like do you like your height and he said yeah and she said do you like the fact that you're young and I'm old and, and he said yeah <laughs> she said and she said do you like being a man and he said yes I do and, and then she said do you like being a black man and he said yes of course I do it's important to me and that was just this moment where I think everybody in the audience was like
2: Oh, we can't not see color. Yeah. So for me, I think when I hear the term, I don't see color, I'm the first person to say, you know, we need to stop saying that because you have to see color. Seeing color is not a bad thing. When you see color, you see the beauty and the diversity in this great country that we live in. Right. Because then we we have to embrace that because I think it's a part of the tapestry of America people from all over the world, different races and backgrounds that are coming together to try to figure this thing out, move this thing forward. So you got to see color because it's important. I think people who use that term, I don't want to say all people, but I think some people use that term are intentionally trying to hide some of the issues that people of color face in this country if you don't see color. Well, we're all equal. No, we're not. We're not all equal. Healthcare, finance, education, all these things, there's, there's, I mean, think about it this, from this perspective. Why is it that African-American children's mortality rate is 400 times higher than white children's mortality rate? Why is it that home ownership in America, African-Americans are 57% less likely to be homeowners than white people in America? Why is it the prison system in America is predominantly African-American males are 150% more likely to have an encounter with a prison system and somebody else. When you say that we don't see color, you're ignoring all those factors that are affecting black people by saying you don't see color because you're saying everybody's equal when well, we're not. There's a lot of data out there that proves that we aren't a post-racial society. When you when you don't see colors, when we when we've gone beyond race and we're a post-racial society, we're not at this point. There are a lot of things that we can attribute to that show that prove that color plays a big part in everyday life for people who look like me. And I think it's something that we should embrace and not turn a blind eye to, because I think I said earlier, it allows us to, it allows us to see the beauty of this country. And when we embrace it, we're stronger for it.
0: Why do you think that white people say that?
2: Because they don't want to deal with the issues. They say that to protect themselves from dealing with the, the situations that are affecting people in this country. By saying I don't see color, you can ignore what's happening to people in marginalized, and underserved communities. Because you say we're all equal. If I'm living this life, they should live that, too. No. So I think for, for, for some people, it allows them to turn a blind eye and not see the situations, systematic things that are affecting black people in this country. And for other people, it allows them to I want to make sure I say this correct. I, I want to be I want to be PC here. There's some people who I think they're well intentioned. And then there's some people who aren't well intentioned when they say, I don't see color. And those w- people who aren't well intentioned, they don't have a problem with what's happening to black people in this country. And they could care less. That's why they say they don't see color. And there are people who are just uneducated and they say, I don't see color, not knowing how insulting that is to somebody who may live in a situation where they're judged by their color. If we didn't see color, then why is it that we have a census that to put your race in different things? Why is it that our society is set up in ways where demographics are pulled? We we live in a, a society that color matters. So when people say they don't see color, it's the total opposite of how our society operates. Let me ask you the question now, why do you think some white people say they don't see color?
0: I think there's a lot of reasons why people say they don't see color. I don't think it's the intention that, that most people think. Like you said, you think that there are some well-meaning people and then some not so well-meaning people. I've talked to people and asked them, why do you not see color? And I actually think I might have been one of those people at some point that, that said I didn't see color because I feel like I see somebody as a man or as a colleague. Of course, I see your color. It's just that I didn't recognize that it would offend you that we didn't talk about the fact that I saw your color. But I think that some people don't see color because they're just too busy in this world and they're not paying attention to humans in general, just kind of very quickly going through this world and don't want to stop and be present and get to know somebody. I think some people don't realize that the differences in our skin color makes life easier for me or more difficult for you. Like they're just not thinking that through consciously. Or maybe there might be some people who. They have privilege and um, they don't really want to give it up. And other people that I've spoken to, uh, they're not so willing to look inside and to recognize that, the, that these differences could be harmful to others. And then I think there are some people that might just be not well-intentioned. You know. So I think there's a lot of reasons why people don't see color, but I believe that I've come to this point where I feel like we can't sacrifice diversity for the sake of harmony. That We have to be able to have... These conversations, just you know, it's, it's so much easier to just glaze over it. But we're not doing anybody justice. And from what I've learned through this journey, we're actually doing a lot of harm by not having these conversations.
2: And I'm glad you brought that up. You know, when we make the statement that I don't see color, we're essentially denying the racial identity of a swath of people. And when you deny that racial identity, you deny some of the issues and problems that group of people are faced with in this country by saying, I don't see color. That to me is as wild as somebody saying, look at that rainbow, but I, you know what? We're not gonna look at the, the, the green, the red. We're just gonna, it's just a gray rainbow. No, the rainbow is beautiful because you see all the colors and you identify the colors. We have to look at life the same way. We live in a society where race matters. Whether we like it or not, race matters. Think about home ownership. The fastest way to gain to, to gain wealth in this country is home ownership. That's what they say. Home ownership, you leave, you leave something for your kids, you grow wealth fast, home ownership. Well, African Americans are 57% less likely to be homeowners than whites than whites are in this country. About f- between 57 and 60%. These are things that we have to address because somebody's looking at race there. I can count on my hands and toes the number of times somebody white. Friends of mine have said that to me. And you know me, I'm a very polite guy. I say, you know what? Please don't say it to somebody else that's black. Please don't. Right? I tell them that because that's a loaded statement, man. Don't say that. If you want to be an ally, don't say that, right? Because you're ignoring some of the struggles that, this, that comes with this skin at times. Especially in the society, the world that we live in right now with the police shootings Whether they're warranted or unwarranted, you know, with, with a civil social unrest. By you saying that, then you're ignoring a lot of the issues that have plagued this country for years that have been left unattended to because of that notion, I don't see color.
0: Has there been a time in your life where somebody said that to you?
2: Yes, there has been. And this was right around the time of the George Floyd murder. So everything was already charged. I was already emotional at the time. You know, he and I um, had this very spirited debate about the George Floyd murder. And um, he asked me, do I think it was racially motivated? Because there was an Asian officer there. People forget this. There was an Asian officer and there was also a biracial officer as well, too, that was at the scene. I think I think he's, I don't know if he's Hispanic or bi, but I know he's a man of color that was at the scene. And I said to him, yes, it was racially motivated. And he said, why do you say that, Ryan? I said, because if George Floyd was a white man, Derek Chauvin would not have had his knee in his back that entire time. It's because the way police are taught to deal with black people in, 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 in poor neighborhoods, they're more aggressive. So he intentionally had his knee nine minutes. That's intentional. That is not like, hey, you know, that's intentional. If George Floyd was a white man, it would have been a conversation about the counterfeit bill, not slammed to the ground, not putting my knee in his back. And he said, but Ryan, you can't think that way. And he was shocked to hear it from me, right? Even because, you know, he and I have these conversations. And then he said it. He said, but, you know, if I was Derek Chauvin, I wouldn't have done that because I don't see color. <sighs> and I had to breathe. And I said, if you were Derek Chauvin, if you were Derek Chauvin, you probably would have done that because you do see color. By you saying that you're seeing color but you're choosing to ignore the issues that led to this man's death. The issues of injustice, the issues of treating somebody less than because they look different from you. And I said to him, I'm the last person to jump and say something is racist. For me, racism is a powerful word and racism is a powerful word. So I just don't throw it around willy-nilly. And you guys know how I feel about that. Sometimes things are about group politics. It's about group preservation. So it may not be racist, right? But in this situation, when he said that, I said, I know you're not a racist. I know you're not. And I'm going to just let you know how that hurts. But I get emotional. When I think about it. And he, and he was very emotional. So he wrote me this huge email, you know, just apologizing. And I told him, listen, no, no, we don't need to go that far. Let's talk it out. We're still super close. Don't get me wrong. I love this man. So I explained to him, what you have done is you've ignored everything. By making that statement, you're ignoring all the issues that black people face in this country because of the color of their skin. The minute you say you don't see color, you don't see the struggle, you don't see your identity, you don't see the way we are treated as second-class citizens. And as a black man, how do you see me? And then we got into this conversation. I'm gonna say something right now that, you know, it's gonna be sound a little crazy, but there are certain black people that white people see as different. I think I'm one of those people and I don't think it's right. So they, because they say, Ryan, well, you're articulate. And I hate that. And people say, oh, you're so articulate. I hate that. Or they say, well, you're well-educated. Well, you went to good schools. You're from good stock. Those those things, do not say those things, right? Do not say those things because those things are very offensive. Because what does that mean? Tell me what that means. You know, what do you say? That I'm better? You know, that I'm one of the good ones? Is that what you're saying to me? No, don't say those things. And it started with just that one phrase and it started snowballing. So what I did, because I love and respect this man, I said, okay, we're going to stop right here because I think I'm emotional because what we just saw. Because anybody who watched that video, they were angry. I don't care if you're white, black, purple. I don't care if you're an alien from space. You had to be angry by watching that video. And he was too. He was angry. He was sad for the family. So he, and he was empathizing with me because he and I can have these conversations. And he sent me this long email. And what I love about him, is he does his research. And he went back to MLK, the I Have a Dream. And I didn't respond to the email. I read it and I digested it. And I really, it made me feel good that he felt, not that he felt bad, but it made me feel good that he went and did the research and he wanted to show me that he did not mean malice in the statement. And I loved him even more for that. And I called him and I spoke to him and I said, you know, when Dr. King made that speech, it was well-intended and he really did believe that. But that's in a society where we're beyond skin color, where we're beyond these little Genetic, these phenotype thing characteristics that define our race. That's we're we're not beyond that, and we can maybe get to that one day. But we don't get to that without having these conversations. And he and I had a serious talk, and he asked me why I got so mad, and I told him that I said because you know what, like I said, by you saying that if you you don't see color, so you wouldn't have been in the same situation. You're ignoring four hundred years of struggle. You're ignoring everything from slavery, Jim Crow, redlining miseducation, from um, pipeline to prison. You're ignoring all those things. You're ignoring every single one of those things. And you're saying, there's no problem in America. We live in a post-racial society. That's what you're saying. When the data proves that there is a problem in this country, FBI data, you name it, university studies, they all show there is a problem. And then he and I had an exchanging of various resources and different things, and he opened up, and he was more enlightened. And he doesn't say that now.
0: Somebody who hasn't experienced inequality, it's pretty easy to pretend that there's like not differences in the world. And that's part of the whole issue with privilege and everything else, right? But we all have like these unconscious bias we're not even aware of. And of course, I do still want to understand it because I'm just curious by nature. But at the end of the day, the most important takeaway from what you just said is, I don't have to understand it to realize that it's really important to you and to other black people to make sure that i begin to recognize that the color of your skin is very important to you and to see it as you know the positive that it is not that you know i think we struggle with we shouldn't judge somebody with the, by the color of skin because we shouldn't treat people differently and i think actually the experiences that you've had because of the color of your skin you have been treated differently and in fact i probably should treat you differently because of that i should treat you better and i should listen more and I should be more present, and I should ask more questions about things that I can do to make things
2: easier for you. So i you to ask your question. If you were a Black woman, how do you think your life would turn out? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I'm
0: in the, in the midst of doing my research for my doctoral degree, and I've had the pleasure of speaking with 40 Black women <laughs> over the past month to learn more about their struggles with behavioral health system and, you know, with their children that have mental health conditions. And so I feel like I could say I would be tired. Mm. I would be really tired. I feel like I could say I would always have to prove myself and feel like no matter what I do, I'm being compared to somebody else that I can't beat. Not that it's a competition, but that I can't do better. I feel like I would be strong and beautiful, for sure. I would definitely be um, strong and beautiful from the inside. Now, the the women that I've had a chance to meet are just inspirational. I think I would be deep. I would be. I I think that a lot of the conversations that I've had with Black women and Black men are much deeper than a lot of the white the conversations that you have in in a white world. Which I appreciate that. I think that with the, the struggles and the challenges that people have experienced in their life, it, it caused them to look within, um, and to, to find resilience. And so I appreciate that. Cause I think that sometimes through struggles is where you really find your true self and, and you, you have to, um, work harder and better. Yeah. I think that.
2: So, you know, when you said something there that, that, that does hit me like a ton of bricks, you said tired. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get me wrong. I love being black. I love it, man. But at times, man, you know, the constant having to prove yourself, you know, I, I, in, in my capacity, you always feel like you're having to prove yourself. i me mean, going tell you why. Because unlike white people, black people are judged by the worst of us. Society looks at us that way. We're never judged by the best of us. We're judged by the worst of us. Look at the legal system, look at home loans, all that. We're judged by the worst of us, never by the best of us. So for a black person who's excelled in life, you constantly have to work to push to prove yourself. You're always wearing these masks. When we decided to talk about this topic, I had to breathe because I hear it all the time in my capacity because of people I come across and what I do. And um, it's tiresome (laughs) when you hear that. Because it's like, okay, man, there are a lot of us like me that have done this. I urge people to think about the shared values that we have and have these conversations about race. Recognize color. Because then you see the beauty. I started by saying the tapestry of America is a beautiful thing of all these colors. And that's what makes this country really great. I know people don't like that statement, but that's what really makes it great. And if we embrace that diversity, you want to know how we evolve into a better society? Embrace it, recognize it, speak about it, you know, engage people, understand why you struggle, understand why you were taught to say that, Julie, and have these conversations. Understand why you weren't taught to talk about race and understand why race matters to me. Wow, Ryan, I appreciate you taking the time and,
0: and opening up about what you just talked about you know, we're in this for the long haul and this was definitely a heavy episode for me. I think that maybe we could talk about what our next episode is gonna be about.
2: Well, I think our next episode should really be focused on, it's it's a two way street. So as as black people, as African-Americans and black people, we also play a role in moving this needle forward too. So there's things that we have to do as well. So I think we need to focus on how together both Black and white can do things to really move this forward.
0: That sounds like a good conversation to have. I think a lot of the people that I've received feedback from, from our first couple of episodes, have said, yes, white people definitely have to make a lot of changes to the way that we've been showing up in this world. But it can't only be just one-sided that, you know, what what can we expect
2: from our, our Black friends? Absolutely. And you're 100% right. And- African Americans and black people have to make changes as well too. We just can't expect white people to make all the changes. It's not fair. For this, for this to be for this to be right, there are people in this world who are going to have to adjust and change. And that includes black and white. So that's the only way we're gonna get past this and become a better society.
1: Julie Radler-Dorfler, Ryan Coot, thank you so very, very much for being a part uh, of the Optimistic Advocate podcast and uh, really approaching the kickoff of your podcast coming soon. This is Scott Bryan Comstock. This is the Optimistic Advocate podcast, and I will see you later. We're happy to share whatever we've got.